Welcome, you're listening to the rest of the sermon, a podcast where we dive deeper in content and conversation of last Sunday's sermon at Westside in Poplar Bluff, Missouri. For more information, you can visit our website at westsidepb.org. Welcome back. Welcome back to the rest of the sermon. We are on a journey right now on the internet on rollingstone.com looking for what Rolling Stone has to say is the top 10 albums of all time. Interesting. The top 10 greatest albums of all time. And it is counting down, oh my goodness, from 500. Let's just go to the 50 to 1 category. Uh, send, send us in your favorite album of all time. Yeah, in, info, info at westsidepb.org. Yeah. I'm going to scroll. Okay, I'm going to go through the top 10 right here. And by album, I would like to reiterate, and I think this is very important, that, and and this can be secular, Christian, whatever, I don't like those terms, but I mean like you've got an eight-hour drive ahead and you just press play. Yeah, you're listening to an album, a full album. Yes. You are not listening to a song or the record that has your favorite track on it. Yes. Okay. Hold on. Before, Before we do Rolling Stones... You're a music guy. What yeah, is that? Well, I mean, what I'm is not, that for you? So I can't say, I can't speak to what my opinion is of the greatest albums of all time. I can give you some of my favorites. Okay. Um, I don't think I'm in a position. I don't have the yeah, knowledge this is just, of... this is just opinions. Yeah. I don't, this is I, armchair I, And stuff. that's all that matters nowadays. So yes. let's go with my opinion. In um, your opinion, what is the greatest album of all time? Strictly oh Tyler's opinion. Oh my gosh. That's still a really hard question to answer. I'd have to boil it down to like five or 10 and I have to rattle them off. Um, Dark Side of the Moon is up there. Great. Thriller. Great. Absolutely. We talked about Thriller in yep. the lobby when we were talking about this. Um, Pet Sounds, Beach Boys, they Great. did a lot of really interesting stuff. Um, I think, man, the gr- like it's really hard to like elevate. It is. It's a good conversation. Though. Yeah. Like what? <laughs> well, uh, we could just say those are those are three really important ones. What about you? I mean, for me, I think my bias, the way that I was raised, I think the greatest album of all time is Sgt. Pepper's Lonely Hearts Club Band Sergeant by the Beatles. Sgt. Pepper's Lonely yes. Hearts Club Band. I mean, even, you know, back in the USSR, you know, a shout out to the Beach Boys, all of that. And then I think very closely second is Thriller. Yeah. I think those two albums yeah. are by far well, some of the greatest albums of all time. Yeah, I won't, I won't argue with that. Um, let's, let's, talk, let's talk about Rolling Stone's top 10 really quick. Just going to read through them. Because I don't think any of our albums that we mentioned are on this list of the top 10. Wow. Top 10 albums. Lauren Hill, The Miseducation of Ooh, Lauren Hill. Man. Is number 10. That's really that's, good. That was 1998, Columbia yeah, Records. It's really good. Bob Dylan, Blood on the Tracks. Okay. Columbia Records, 1970. Man, I think Rolling Stone just has a thing with Columbia Records. Um, Prince and the Revolution, Purple Rain. Yep. Uh, 1984. Fleetwood Mac, Rumors, that's good. I'm not mad that, yeah, at that's all about a, any of these albums. Yeah, yeah, 77. Uh, Nirvana, Nevermind. Okay, I, okay. Yeah. Okay. Come on, Cobain, 1991. Yeah. Uh, Abbey Road by the Beatles. And I don't think Sgt. Pepper's made it to this list. Abbey Road five. is because it was their last one, yeah. and, and they came together, yeah. so the nostalgia... But the, blah, I don't blah, know blah, if blah. these are going by, like... My, like most winning, most winningest, most sell, most yeah, sold sure. albums. Maybe strictly Rolling yeah, Stones' opinion. Yeah. Uh, Stevie Wonder songs in the key of life. Okay. Uh, Johnny Mitchell Blue. Okay. And the Beach Boys' Pet Sounds was number two. Wow. And then Marvin Gaye. What's going on? Wow. <laughs> yeah. Come okay. on, man. I can see that. Yeah. I, I yeah. think I think they went a real cultural yeah. impact approach on that list. Hold on. So. I'm just gonna before we continue. Um, I really want listeners. Hey, if you're listening to this, this would be really fun conversation. Send in your favorite album yeah. to info at westsidepb.org. That'd Please be a lot that. of fun. That'd Please be great. That. We'll read them next week. Yeah. Um, but f- before we move on, I'm hitting enter if you can hear this. I just hit enter on Google search. Is Thriller the greatest album of all time? The top thing that is at the top of the page, while the Eagles album, their greatest hits 71 to 75, recently passed Thriller in terms of all-time American sales, Jackson's classic album is still recognized as the best-selling album ever in I agree. terms of global wow. sales. So in terms of the and popular back, vote, and, he wins. And that is back in the day when you had to get a physical car. Yeah, I mean, like you got in your car when the you record drove store, the store ran out. Yeah, you would have to wait a yeah. week until the truck ran. Yep. I mean, 
What was the very first... Here's a question. Mine's going to be really funny. Am I Googling this? No. Okay. What was the first album or CD that yeah. you bought with your own money? With my own money. With your own money. Oh, my gosh. I um, remember mine. I remember right where I was and the explanation <sighs> I gave my mom and dad. <laughs> I don't remember the name of the album. Um uh, Kids will never have this conversation anymore. I remember the band and I remember the song. Kids will never uh, have a conversation about what was your first album you bought. Okay, uh, judge me all you want. This was, this was with the first one that I can remember with my own money uh, because it had a song in it that had like this long string of cuss words that I thought was hilarious. Okay. Uh, it was by a song, uh, by a band called The Offspring. Okay. Um, and I think the album... I think the album is called Gotta Get Away. Um, or no, maybe that's a song of the album. It's called Bad Habit. Interesting. Um, don't go listen to that song. <laughs> I think that was, but being honest, um, I think uh, I think that was the first one that I bought. Uh, wow. A Smash 2008 remaster okay. was the name of the album. I was in Kennett, Missouri, in the Walmart, in the Walmarts, as my nanny says, my parents were grocery shopping. I come back from the CD section with Will Smith's Big Willie style. Yes. I mean, and my dad, who reads the New York Times and everything, <laughs> knew that um, that it was okay to buy because he remember reading that one of Will Smith's things is that he doesn't cuss yeah. in any of his songs. And Getting so, jiggy with it, track oh, yeah. three. That's Miami, right. the whole thing, dude. Bienvenido a Miami. I uh, remember that. The father and son song. Yeah, man. Oh, oh, dude. Men in Black was at the end of that one. Yep. They did Men in Black yep. at the end of that one. Actually, I'm, I'm having to reverse. I, I actually think the first thing I ever bought with my own money, because I think I asked my mom to buy The Offspring. I think I bought a John Mayer record. I think it was Room for Squares or okay. something like that, which yeah. makes more sense with my personality. Great. So, so there's two questions for you listeners. Yeah. In your personal opinion, what is the greatest album of all time? Send that in, info at westsidepb.org. And for those of you who are up in age a little bit and actually bought a physical CD, yep. would love to hear or a and tape. know. Or yeah. a record. Or a record, tape, whatever. Looking what, at you, Gary. What was the first one that you bought <laughs> with your own money because that's a big deal it's it's with your yeah, own man. money you yeah know? really really awesome well thanks for joining us again on the rest of the sermon and dealing with seven and a half minutes of shenanigans up front i love we it love you guys for that we are diving back into the psalms we've been here for a couple weeks now about four or five weeks we're in psalm chapter four and we are talking about what it looks like to trust god in times of trouble to trust him in troubled yes times and so i'm going to pray for us and then i'm going to read the text all of psalm chapter four and uh and then we will just kind of jump right into it. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for your son. Thank you for these living truths that are embodied in this book for us to be able to glean from and to learn and to live by and to store them in our hearts and in our minds. I pray that you would change us by what we hear today and that we would become more like your son and love Christ more because of it. Amen. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Psalm chapter four, I'm going to be reading all of it, verses one through eight. Getting a phone call from Chesterfield, Missouri. Don't even know what that's about. <laughs> Reading the Bible, Chesterfield. Hold up. Psalm chapter 4. Answer me when I call, O God of my righteousness. You have given me relief when I was in distress. Be gracious to me and hear my prayer. O men, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love vain words and seek after lies? Selah. But know that the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. The Lord hears when I call to him. Be angry and do not sin. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent. Offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. There are many who say, who will show us some good? Lift up the light of your face upon us, O Lord. You have put more joy in my heart than they have when their grain and wine abounded. In peace I will both lie down and sleep. For you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. 
This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks be to God for his word. What are we looking at here in Psalm 4, Pastor Jason? What's this all about? Yeah, man. So it's been a fun journey and just a little bit of a preview, getting ready and studying and preparing for Psalm 5 this week. One of the reasons, and you know, I love just teaching through books of the Bible line by line, verse by verse. The book of Psalms is a little bit different to teach through than like Colossians, like we just did, because each Psalm um, is individual in its own right, but was also um, this book was also um, arranged very specifically through um, Hebrew tradition and understanding for worship. And yeah. so I say all of that to say, as we are methodically making our way through Psalm by Psalm, Psalm three was considered and uh, a morning psalm. Mm. And then Psalm 4 is considered an evening psalm. Psalm 5 is considered a morning psalm. So when you look at that, you have 3, 4, and 5 could be, you know, your Mm. Monday morning, your Monday evening, and your Tuesday morning to sort of read through. And to see David's progression in the psalms is is really interesting. Psalm 3, we had a lot of context around Absalom's rebellion that was specified for us in the title. Psalm 4 doesn't give us specifically that this is going on with Absalom's rebellion. A lot of scholars think it probably was, but what we have, and the reason why I'm saying this is, we don't know the specific trouble, which I think is even greater, because now we can apply it to our own specific troubles in life. And just a cursory reading of the psalm, you can look and see David is dealing with a situation that he has not asked for and that he does not want. And it teaches us how how can we trust God in a troubled situation, in a situation that we didn't plan for or prepare for, hello 2020, (laughs) and all of that, but still remain faithful um, to the Lord. And And I shared... The reason why I think it's applicable when we study troubled times is um, G.K. Chesterton has a great quote. Jesus promised his disciples three things, that they would be completely fearless, absurdly happy, and in constant trouble. <laughs> I love that quote because as you're listening to it, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. wait a second. you know. <laughs> and I shared a story a few weeks back about a guy that had just gotten baptized at Westside and you know, the following week he came in on Sunday and I said, Hey, how's it going? He said, pastor, I got to tell you after I've got baptized last week, this following week has been like the gates of hell have opened in my life. And there's all kinds of things that are, that are going wrong. And I told him, I said, you know, um, your life is a lot like Jesus's because as soon as Jesus was baptized in Luke chapter four, we see that the spirit led him into the wilderness. And so the question, you know, the question is not if I will face troubled times. The question is when and and how do I respond to that? What do I do? Yeah. Well, and I love that you unpack this. Like, uh, this is like the third time at the rest of the sermon that I've neglected to read the header (laughs) of the song. Oh, yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. But that's important. It gives us some context because that's there in the scriptures as well. It says, to the choir master. Yeah. With stringed instruments, a psalm of David. So the choir master of the day would have been like the liturgical priest. Like yep. he would have been the, the he would have been the guy who was leading the choir. He would have been the guy who was arranging the instruments and all of that. He would have been a Levite who who essentially was in charge of the temple worship and the order of singing and all of that. And so I love this idea because it it automatic, automatically points us to this idea of not isolated praise yep. of not isolated um, I'm crying out or praying on my own or thinking on my own. This is actually something that's meant to be sang and prayed aloud together in corporate worship. Yep. How is that? Why is that important? Why is that different than like maybe reading this alone uh, in our home or in a vacuum or something like yeah, that? Yeah, that was a, a theme that revealed itself the more and more I studied it. And the sentence that we said just in the very beginning of, guys, God's word is a deep well. Amen. is a very deep well. Yeah. And just studying the context, before we even studied a single word in the psalm, understanding the context gave us a great application. And we said this, because David wrote this to be sang corporately, we said that corporate worship is where we go mm. to strengthen our confidence in God. Mm. That in a troubled time, yeah. our first response is, yeah. man, 
I just need some me time, some downtime. And listen, self-care, all that stuff is super important, Yeah, but not at the cost of the corporate gathering. Yeah, And the corporate gathering is so important because it is there where we hear the word of God read. We sing the praises and promises yeah. of God. We hear from God's people, and that is where we strengthen our confidence in the character of God. Yeah, that's so awesome. I, I, I think you shared the story. I was in between dealing with screaming toddlers when we were live. We weren't there on Sunday. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, we were live streaming from the house, and um, I, I think I heard. I don't know if you told a story about about this or not, but I'm going to share a story really quickly about why, about a specific time when. I have been strengthened in my faith and in my confidence in God just from being in the corporate gathering together. Um, there was a moment on a Sunday morning where uh, there was a specific member who uh, who I was able to see. First of all, the reason I was able to see her singing was because the lights were up. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. It's, it's, I, it's one thing I love. We don't bring the lights all the way down. Like We want everybody to be able to see one another yep. singing and participating. But I looked out, we were singing... We were, I think we were singing it as well with my yep. soul. Um, and I look out and I see this specific uh, church member. And she's knowing that she's battling cancer, yep. um, that she's going through treatments and and having a rough go of it, to be honest. And um, her hands are lifted up high and she is singing the chorus of It Is Well With My Soul. Yep. Bro, that builds my faith. It's big time, That man. strengthens my faith. Is there a moment in the corporate gathering like... I know when I just came back and had an opportunity to take come to the table with everybody, that was a big moment for me too. Is there a moment in the corporate gathering that you can remember, like a specific moment that's like strengthened you? Yeah. You, up? Um, you know, I, I shared that same story Sunday, but I think, you know, one of the things, I don't want to say a rule, but a request that we have and that I always say is I don't ever want the music to be louder than the voices. Mm. I want to hear people. And sometimes at the end of a song or something like that, you or whoever's leading will kind of like back away instruments and everything. And it's just the people singing. And when that happens, obviously I think of Colossians 3, but when I hear the people of God singing the word of God back to him empowered by the spirit of God, there's like a little moment um, where, you know, I think, you know, one of the things we've always said is, is that we don't start a worship service. Yeah. We join one yep. because that's what's going on in heaven. There's a moment of like, yeah, this is a preview of what's to come. This is on earth as it is in heaven. Is yeah. in the midst of darkness, death, decay, a broken world, the people of God have taken the time to gather together and are singing in spite of everything that's going on. Yeah. So anytime that happens, man, there's a moment of just, it gets my blood flowing. Yeah, it's, man. It, it raises my confidence yeah. in God. Are you in troubled times? Come to church. Yes. Come to church and worship with us, man. And worship. let me say something here. I, you know, I know COVID changed things and this, that, and the other, and, and, and I don't have an political opinion on any on, on any of that you stuff. You don't want to get into all that right yeah, now? Yeah, I think no. it's so sad that there's <laughs> political opinions around health crises and yeah. stuff like that. But the future of the church is not online. Amen. Let me just go ahead and say that. That is yeah. not, that was a temporary, that was a beautiful means of grace that yeah. God gave us in order to be connected. But when we physically assemble together on a Sunday, God says that there is something special that happens. Yeah. And and let me say this, the gathering for Sunday begins on Saturday yeah. at your house. So if you're a parent, if you're married, if you're you make plans to be at the gathering well into the week. But maybe as a parent it is preparing on Sunday night, having that conversation with your kids, planning your Sunday, maybe even laying out the clothes, doing whatever you have to do in order to get to the gathering. Yeah. That happens on a Saturday, man. Yeah, that's good. That's really, really good. The gathering is well, and the whole gathering, like I, I want to clarify, we said, like I said, if you're troubled times, come worship with us. Like we have this idea that worship is just the part where we're singing and there's music. Right. Like the whole, the, the whole gathering is worship. Amen. Like the whole gather from the moment that you park your car and your kids are fussing and you guys are struggling to get in the door, you're at the gathering. Yep. Like that, that you're beginning to enter into a, a worship service that is already initiated in heaven for all of eternity. And 
the, that's why we start the that's why we start the worship service with God's word. That's why yep. we start with welcoming people in. Like that's and, why we use intentional language yeah. and say, and now we're going to continue worshiping through giving, yeah, through giving, or through through the reading of the text. We have people stand, which is an act of worship. We have people saying, "This is God's word." So the whole the whole gathering is worship, which has really opened my eyes to the way. Like, what do we call the time where we sing? Is it sure. the time of singing? singing. <laughs> like, yeah, like, sure. So, yeah, I love that. Love that. Well, let's keep moving on. Um, so. The main application um, from this text that that you drew out for us and, and kind of led us through this past Sunday was, how can I trust God in troubled times? How can this be done? And you broke it down into three points for us that are right here in the text. Ask for help, accept instruction, and anchor yourself in supernatural joy and peace yeah. in the anchor who is Jesus. So let's unpack that first one, ask for help. Yeah. In verse 1, right there, he says, answer me when I call, when I call, O God of my righteousness. And... I just love that it starts off like he says when he says when I call yeah like it's not if I call you answer me it's when I call this is this is an indefinite thing that David is doing and he's doing it first yeah can we talk about that for a minute yeah you know I think it's important I talked about this is David's first reaction um, his very first thing is to stop and to go to the Lord. And I said, you know, I don't think that's necessarily, or at least mine, I'll just confess my own sins. I don't think it's my first reaction. I think oftentimes we think prayer is something we do after we've exerted effort and then ask God to bless our efforts. And, you know, I told the story about Kyle Eideman and his son and there was a moment in Kyle Eidemann's life, a lot of pressure, a lot of anxiety, and he woke up in the middle of the night and felt like God was laughing at him. Yeah. And and he didn't get any clarity on it for like a number of years. And then they were moving. His son was helping him move this big, heavy desk. And his son said, Dad, you're in my way. Get out of my way. And tried to move the desk, and he couldn't. And it dawned on him, like, his son really thought that he was moving the desk. But Kyle, obviously the adult, was doing it. And Kyle said he stepped back and he couldn't help but laugh. And the moment that he laughed, the Holy Spirit just stopped him in his tracks. And he got clarity and realized that he was doing ministry in his own strength, Mm. that he really thought that it depended upon him and that God was laughing like a father laughs at a small child trying to do something like that. And man, that, that is so personal and it speaks volumes because I think... As a church and as Christians, we get our calendar together, we plan this event, we do all of this stuff, and then at the end, or right before the event, right before we walk on stage, right before we do something, Lord, bless our efforts. Mm -hmm. And the reality is, you know, did God even want us to do this event? Or And then to bridge the application to your life, it's this idea of I'm going to plan my life, I've got all of this, these are the plans, God bless these plans rather than, God, what do you want me to do? Yeah. And and asking for help requires humility. Yeah. I mean, that's the very essence of it. Yeah. And and I think as Christians, we think that that's a sign of weakness. Yeah. And the reality is it is. Yeah. Because Amen. you are. Yeah. <laughs> because yeah. you are weak yeah. and Just, you're yeah. and and you're not capable right. and you can't do it on your own. Yeah. And the so. way that David displays this for us is by asking God for help as his first step and as yes. his first action. And so but I also want to talk about this in, in the idea of prayer because we we're in the Bible belt, we're in the thick of it. A lot of people have grown up around church and they've heard a lot of the Christianese and they've heard a lot of certain things. One of the things that comes to mind for me is like pray it away or pray until right. something happens. Yeah. Like let's I want to talk about two different things. Number one, like what's the difference between coming to God and asking for help, but then doing nothing? Sure. Like just sitting on your hands and waiting. Um, and the danger that pray it away or pray until something happens can Sure can bring to that. Let's start with that. Yeah, for sure. I think, a, I mean, just a biblical example, so clearly we learned about when we were studying Nehemiah. Yeah, man. And Nehemiah, the wall has been torn down and Nehemiah holds this service and he declares and prays and says, the Lord will build this wall. Yeah. God's going to do it. And the very next words are, so they gathered and grabbed their trowels 
and begin to build the wall. And you're like, wait a second. I thought they just asked God to build the wall. Right. Yes. But they're building the wall. Yes. Yeah. And the answer is yes (laughs) when it comes to that. And one of the things we said was God's providence gives power to our prayers. Yeah. That God has promised that he will do things, but he does things through us, through people, through acts of obedience. It's partnership. When he created the garden, he placed Adam and Eve in the garden to work it and keep it as a partnership. And so in a situation that you have in your life, you know, we use the example all the time, you know, the economy and jobs and everything, let's say you're, you're, you're needing a job. Well, you pray and ask God to provide for you. And then you spend all day filling out applications and putting in your resume. That's good. It's, it's both and when it comes to that. Yeah, that's good. The second thing I wanted to come to when it comes to the idea of prayer, especially those, those those one-liners that can be dangerous if you run all the way home with them, pray it away or pray until something happens, um, is for people who are maybe experiencing like abuse, physical or emotional or yeah. mental abuse. Um, I just want to encourage you, you can pray and ask God for help as you call the police yep. or as you call a friend or on your way out the door. Like yep. the, those are the, when you at, when you ask for help, it's not limited to prayer, but prayer is the first place that we go and that we run to. Yes, yeah, so you can ask God for help and if you're in an abusive relationship, you also, right after that prayer, call a friend yeah. and say, hey, I need to move in with you yeah. because my husband's hitting me. Or yeah. some, I mean, yes, you yeah. know, Christians sometimes get peg-holed into that category of it's all got to be spiritual and this, that, yeah. and the other to the detriment and harm of people. Yeah, yeah. And and there's encouragement that is given to us um, to act on this, to, to move forward and to make prayer and to have prayer be our first reaction or our proactive step. Yeah. Um, and it's right there in the verse. It says, you have given me relief when I was in distress. Yep, everything's in past tense. Yeah, and it's he's remembering, right? Yep. Like, like, and that's giving confidence. Like, can you unpack that for a little bit for us? Like, how, how God's past faithfulness can give us confidence in present times. Yeah, that was our application sentence. And the reason why is because by the very definition of trouble, this is something that's unexpected. This is something that you haven't planned for. This is something by definition you don't know the outcome to. Yeah. So if it's a relationship, it's a, if it's a health crisis, whatever, David stops He asks God for help, and then he resolves himself and says, but wait a second, I'm going to have a level of expectation here because you've been faithful to me in the past. And I did something that we do all the time is I ask this question. I say, raise your hand if you or somebody that you know have seen a direct answer to prayer, that you've asked God for something specific and you've seen it happen and every hand goes up in the building. Yeah, man. And I love to go look around. Right. Look around. The kingdom of God is alive and well. And if God has done it in the past, he's probably going to do it again in the future. Yeah. Probably not the same way. Yeah. So we should have right expectations. But the expectation in and of itself is that God will act. And man, David's using strong language in the text for that. Yeah, so faithful. God's faithful. Man, we need a camera like on the stage that faces right. the pews. So right. whenever we have that moment, we can like switch to that or something. I love it. We can see that. I don't know if that's visible on the live stream, but you guys should go check that out in that moment from last Sunday because it is incredible when that happens. Um, so we've seen we've seen how we can trust God in troubled times. Number one, we ask for help requires humility, and God gives us confidence and courage because of his past faithfulness. And we ask this question, when's the last time you've asked for help? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> I mean, like, that's a... I ran right over that, my I'm, bad. I'm, I mean, guys, that's a real applicable question. Yeah. I mean, I think I think that that affects two people in in two different categories. Number one, are you somebody who never puts forth your own effort mm. and immediately either asks God or other people to resolve your situation? Yeah. So you're like, you've never mowed your lawn and you've just always said like, man, I need somebody to help mowing my lawn. Well, are, you know, have you ever, you know, just a dumb right. illustration, but so there's that person. But then the second person is, 
when when have you really asked somebody else in church for help? Yeah. I mean, just, hey, I need your help in this scenario. Yeah. And man, for some people, depending upon your personality, that's a hard question yeah. to answer. Yeah, man. We just went through we just went through a, a season of illness at the household and uh, my wife actually reached out to somebody, a fellow church member, and was like, hey, could you help us with X, Y, and Z? Because yeah. normally when, whether it's a new baby or illness or whatever, we have the, the barrage of comments from people. It's like, well, hey, let us know if you need yep. anything. Let us know. No, no one's going to reply to that. <laughs> Nobody's right. going to say like, hey, here's what I need. Like, well, one, you have an opportunity to do that. But two, like my wife took that step and someone brought us a meal and we got a message from this person and, and they said, thank you for letting us serve you in this way. Yeah. It was really rewarding for me to to be able to be used by God to bless you guys in a time of need. Yeah. So you're not just getting help, but you're also uh, lifting someone else up as well when you ask for help and allow them to help. The second one was accept truth, accept truth truth in verses two through six. And the verses, David's addressing three different types of people that he broke down for us. Yeah. Um, and then he drops a truth in the midst of it. And those three people are those being slandered, those who are angry, and those who are despairing. Let's talk about slander for a second. Yeah. Um, to accept truth. And he's talking to those who are slandered. He says, how long shall my honor be turned into shame? How long will you love words and seek at vain words and seek after lies. And there's a moment for rest yeah. there. There's a Selah, like a time to reflect and to think about those words. How long shall my honor be turned into shame? And how long will you love vain words and seek after lies? What's going on here? What's he talking about in terms of people speaking against him or slander? How, how is that yeah. in here? It's an ancient culture and honor and shame is how the culture functioned. And so for David to be a king, who's not on his throne, yeah. on the run, and literally he's saying, my honor, my identity, my who I'm known as and yeah. by is being turned into shame now. Mm. And man, I don't know if you've ever been, you know, if you're listening, if you've ever been on the receiving end of slander. And, and slander is a little bit different than gossip. Yeah. Gossip is just somebody talking about your business and not to your face. Slander is somebody telling lies to harm your character, yeah. to literally malign who you are. Like yeah. they want other people to view you differently um, in, in light of what they're saying. And we said that you resist what others are saying about you by resting in what God has said about you. Mm. Because David then drops the phrase in verse 3, but know the Lord has set apart the godly for himself. Yeah. The Lord hears me when I call to him. When I call. And so David reassures himself, these people are saying this, but I know that God does this. Yeah. And, and one of the things I said was, it's really important. Oftentimes when people hear a message, I'm, you know, it's fascinating when people are like, oh man, you know, your message spoke to me. You know, my takeaway was this. And I'm like, whoa, how in the world? That is, wow, that's interesting. Okay. My fear is, is, is when I say something like this, somebody goes, yeah, those people are talking all kinds of trash about me. I'm just resting in what God says about me. But the reality is what those people are saying is, is actually true because you are a liar or a thief or some, you know, like they called yeah. me a thief. Right. I'm resting in what God yeah. said about me. And you actually stole from your work or something like that. Like that's not a good thing. Yeah. And so the reality is you've got to turn what Billy Graham did. You've got to turn your critics into coaches. Yeah. And Billy Graham after the end of every crusade would read the newspaper articles and what people said about him. And he would pray through them and say, God, is anything that they're saying true? Right. God, am, mm. am I manipulating people? Yeah. Am I doing any? And I see David doing a little bit yeah. of this. Like, God, if if what they're saying is true, yeah. please take it away. But at the end of the day, I know what you've said about me. Yeah, man, that's good. I, I learned this this week. This is a little lesson on social media. There's a term on social media called an influencer. It's mm. a little blue check mark, yeah. right? There are three types of influencers that I did not know about. There's a mega influencer, a macro influencer, and a micro influencer. Wow. And do you know what separates those three categories? The amount of followers. That's it. That's it. It's just the amount of people that that 
think these people are interesting or what they had to say is great. The center of our influence is told to us by social media or whatever to, to be what others think of us and yeah. how many people are interested in what we have to say. And in reality, most people don't want or don't care what you right. have to say. Right. And they'll tell you that. And that stinks and that hurts, but it's reality. I've heard Tim Keller say, if you live for their applause or if you live for their approval, you will die at their criticism. Yeah. And so if you are, if you're an influencer or yeah. if, you know, if you think that that's so important, the very thing you're seeking will also devastate you yeah. when they don't give it to you. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Well, that's for those who are being slandered to accept truth. And the secondly, we have to those who are angry. He's yeah. talking to in verses four and five. Be angry. He says, be angry. Yep. Be angry. It's a command. And do not sin. That even makes its way into the New Testament. Yeah. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds. And be silent. Ponder in your own hearts on your beds and be silent and offer right sacrifices and put your trust in the Lord. I thought being angry was bad. Right. Isn't being angry bad? Yeah, man. So, you know, one of the things that we said was, you know, this is not advocating suppressing your anger. It's acknowledging that you need to guide it. Yeah. And anger is something that's been given to us by God. And for some of us, you know, I said Sunday, some of us need to be a little angry. Some of us need to see poverty, the abortions, the death, yeah. the everything, and and we need to be a little angry. Yeah. You know, I said, I'm angry at death. I'm angry hearing about another divorce. I'm angry about these things. That is a righteous anger that comes from the Lord because yeah. we're created in his image and likeness. Yeah. Well, and he gives us a key of like how an angry person can guide their anger. He says it right there. He says, he says, ponder it in your hearts and and do it in a do it in a place where you can be quiet. Yep. Where you can be silent, um, and there's, there's, man, there's. If you're listening to, if there's one takeaway from today's podcast, there is so much value in silence. Yes, like, and and what it, the sign, the word for silence here is different than the word solitude. We're not talking about isolating yourself from community. That's not what's being talked about here. Silence invokes this idea of introspection, of looking in yourself, just like you said, Billy Graham said. Yeah. Like, like is anything that they're saying true? Yep. There's a level of wisdom there. Proverbs 21, 23 says, whoever keeps his mouth and his tongue keeps himself out, keeps himself out of trouble. Yep. There's a value in being silent. How can silence aid us to maybe uh, dealing with our anger in a more healthy way rather than just outbursts or... Yeah, David's yeah. teaching us about self-reflection here. And so it almost yeah. reads like an impossibility. Be angry oh, and do not hold sin. Hold on a second. I think I muted you on accident. Now, no, there we okay. go. I'm good now. My water yep, bottle hit the go. board. All good, uh, but like, be angry and do not sin. Ha. Huh, okay. Well, how do I do that? Well, it's like we said. The rest of the verse: self reflect and then be silent. And so it tells me this: that we sin in our anger most often by what we say mm. in our anger, and our emotions take the lead. And our emotions are a poor guide, but they're a good gauge. Yeah. And so a moment of self reflection, which I think. You know, going back to this idea of silence, I think that's what makes social media so dangerous is that we have outlets and temptations in ways that people never had that we think that we have the right to voice every single thing that we feel or everything that happens to us yeah. because we have an outlet. Yeah. And, and, and to have access to that in everyone else's life. In everybody else's yeah. life, man. And and I think that it is a very dangerous thing. And, and listen, I'll be honest and just speak very frankly. As a pastor and a fellow Christian, I am grieved by what I see via on social media. Mm coming from other Christians, yeah. whether it be a political rant or something about your opinion about what you think the president or this, that, and the other. Andy Minio, a Christian rapper, has a line that says, um, how would Jesus's face look if he were to scroll through your page on your Facebook? <laughs> and for some reason, we think that there's a disconnect that yeah. happens there. Yeah. And I think we would do well to be sit in silence yeah. and to self-reflect and to quote the very famous theologian Pink. I think the reason why we don't is when she says a line in one of her songs, the silence scares me because it's filled with truth. Mm. 
I think a lot of us want the distraction. Yeah. I think we want the noise yeah. because it distracts us from having to self-reflect. But there's good news in that truth. I know that lyric is dark, but there's there's good news in being silent and seeing the reality of where you really are in your heart and in yes. your mind and then addressing that and bringing that to the Lord and asking for help yes. in prayer. Uh, so we have to those who are angry we just talked about, and then we move on to those who are despairing in verse 6. Who will show us some good? Man, if there's not a word for this past, like, season of life, right? that's right now. Like, yes. I know you talked about it on Sunday. I had some phone calls this week already, and everybody I've talked to is just not doing great. Right. Like, everybody is in the midst of bad news, and it's like everyone's crying out what David says here in verse 6. Who's going to show us some good? Yeah, man. We need that right now. Why? Why is this important? Why why is it important that we that we cry out and mimic David's prayer here and say who's going to show us some good? Yeah, I think it's important to know where David gets his good from because yeah. he doesn't he doesn't see anything good. And and there's seasons in our life, guys. Um, please find comfort in this. There are seasons where whether it be sickness, whether it be with the kids, whether it be with the job, whether it be you're in a season where there's a lot of bad news. Mm. And one thing to note is seasons have a beginning and they have an end. That's yeah. why they're called seasons. So it's very important to remember that you're in a season. But where do you get your good? Do you just muster up the strength? Do you just... You can and, try. <laughs> and what we see David do when he says, lift up the light of your face upon yeah. us, O Lord, mm. that comes from Numbers chapter 6. It's a part of the liturgy, the benediction may the Lord bless you and keep you and may his face yeah, shine upon part you part of the corporate worship service yeah and yeah. so what we see again again is David doesn't have the faith and he doesn't have the words so he borrows the faith and the words from the mm. gathering yeah. and he says but wait a second I remember this truth about God. And so, listen, if you're in that season where it's just tough, it's just the work, the kit, everything is tough right now. You need to acknowledge that, but you need to also find that truth that comes from God's word and the gathering and live off of that. Live off of that. And a resource that you can use if you don't have the words, like go go through our worship gathering and our worship service from the week prior and look at the prayers and the scriptures that we've read aloud together. If you don't, that's what David did. He went to the source that the that the liturgy had for their service, and he pulled from God's word and said, "This is what's going to sustain me right now." And I want to speak really quickly just to some pastors or maybe somebody listening who's in charge of a gathering or something. Oftentimes, we feel the pressure, and and we want to connect with people, and we want to meet a need that somebody has. And I've been in gatherings where you know a pastor or somebody tries to muster that up, you know, like. You know, today I just feel like, and then, you know, there's this long rant. We try to create this thing. Yeah. What we see in an organized structure and what I believe is actually more supernatural is we see that God has given us some words in that benediction in number six. And what David does is he remembers the worship leader reading that at the end of temple worship. And so what that tells me is that the Spirit of God moves where the Word of God is read. Yeah. And so listen, if you're in leadership and you're responsible for the gathering or anything like that, Paul tells Timothy to give yourself to the public reading of Scripture. Yeah. You can bank that every time that you read the Bible in the gathering, that it's not going to return void. Amen. The odds of you meeting someone's need and giving them a word is far greater than by just reading straight scripture than it is trying to methodically plan some artistic something, you know, in light of that. That's a little rant, little rant. No, that's really, really good. And worship leaders, if you're listening to this as well, like the the number one source for how you order a worship service is not planning center. It's not pro presenter. It's not CCLI. It's the Bible. It's God's word. This is what we use to order and to author our worship to God. And the only thing that makes it acceptable is Jesus, the living word. Yeah. So uh, so we've seen three things of how to remain faithful and trust in troubled times. Ask for help, accept the truth, and then anchor ourselves in the supernatural joy and peace that is offered in Christ. Yeah. What does that look like? Like, 
How is this joy and that we see in verse 7 and 8? You have put more joy in my heart than they have when they've got a lot of resources, grain and wine. Yeah. And in peace, I'll lie down and sleep because you alone, God, make me dwell in safety. Yeah. In this series and, and studying the Psalms and familiarizing myself with like a pattern and how David writes and stuff, I love finding how he turns it. Like, because there's always this turn in the Psalms. And what David does is he talks about the joy that God gives him. We said that it was supernatural, internal, and eternal. It's supernatural because he says, you have put it. So, so it comes from God. It's internal. He says, it's in my heart, which means circumstances don't affect it. And then it's eternal because he says that the grain and wine abound, but those things run out. Yeah. Those seasons and good times and circumstances run out, but this doesn't run out. And, and I just love seeing how David always anchors the trouble. Here's what's going on, but here's where I always find my joy. And one of the yeah. things we said is, and I think it's important for us to understand, is this joy and peace is supernatural. Yeah. This is despite circumstances. Yeah. And I think Christians really believe the lie. And maybe you're listening to this and you're like, you know, we're in a season and we have small kids. And I tell you what, when the kids aren't as small, then that's when we're, you know, the marriage or, you know, if I can get through this season at work or if I can, if I can just get, and what we're doing is we're becoming Dorothy mm -hmm. in Wizard of Oz. It's the if only, if only, if only. And the reality is, is that if only is your idol. Yeah. That's what you're putting your trust in. You're saying that yeah, my trust is in if I can just get out of this season. Yeah. And what David is telling us through wisdom is there's always going to be another season. Yeah. There's always going to be something else. And you've got to find the joy and the peace in the circumstance. Yeah in the situation that's going on. Oh, that's and I good. think that's vital, man. And he yeah. talks about a good night's rest. Right, yeah. That, <laughs> that, that's why I tell Jesse when we lay down at night. She's like, I don't want to go to bed. I say, what do our bodies need at night? She said, rest. Right. And, and then we say amen. And then she's like, I don't want to rest. But we need this. And this is something that God gives to us when we put our trust and our faithfulness in his faithfulness in the midst of whatever season that we're in. David has the ability to say, I'm able to lie down in peace and I'm able to sleep. I'm able to be vulnerable in the midst of, of a very difficult time, in the midst of an issue or a troubled season where people are saying awful things about me or things around me are going wrong. He says that he's safe. And I love this illustration that you used of to close it out on being on the Admiral's watch. Yeah, man. Like That was really cool like, learning about that. Yeah, I'd never heard that before. Like it, just an old Navy term for the in the evening that the Admiral would have to watch as well, even though he's like the, the highest ranking official, he would have to actually stand watch for a certain length of time at night. And if anything went wrong, the rest of the crew didn't have to freak out about it because the Admiral was on, on, on shift right there. Yeah. And that's the Lord for us in the midst of our troubled times. He is, he is we are on the Admiral's watch. We are on God's watch. And I I just want to say something here. You know, sometimes I meet with people and maybe maybe they're in the throes of addiction mm. and oftentimes they'll tell me about the situation, tell me about the brokenness and then they'll say very quickly, but I mean I can't go to treatment. I mean like I'll lose my job or that I mean I can't go to count I can't drive to Sykeston for counseling. I can't I mean I work. What David is doing when he says I lie down and sleep that's the most vulnerable position that you're in. Yeah. You're, you're not contributing. It's the most passive position that you can be in. And David is saying, the way my answer is found in the vulnerability, in, in the moment of being passive. So for you listening to this, it's not, well, I can't because blank. What David's exhorting us is, no, 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 no. You have to in that moment. You have to press pause. You you have to go to Sykeston or you have to do the trick or you have because that's where God is. Yeah. God is there in that moment of vulnerability. And then we're able to say, like, we can do that because the Admiral's on watch. Yeah. We can rest in those moments because God is sovereignly in control yeah. of our lives, man. That's good. That's good news. Well, the big idea that you wrapped us up with was trust God in your trouble and trust God with your trouble, yeah. both in and with your trouble. And then 
I was able to catch a little bit of it. You guys did this exercise that was so great. Yeah, um, man. Just an opportunity. Can you walk us through that? Like, I feel like this is, it's something that, that I remember a little bit from Gravity. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds like it's our thing now, which is so great. I love sure. that. Like, can you walk people through a moment? Maybe they can do like a contemplative prayer with, sure. with their families or what this exercise looks like within their home. Yeah, for sure. So, you know, I myself have been learning about different forms of prayer and silence and solitude and that. And physical expression is is really important. And, mm-hmm. and we see a lot of physical expressions in the Psalms to bow down, to raise our hands, yeah. to do that stuff. And so what we did was, is we just had everybody stand and every head bowed and every eye closed. And I just said, I want both your hands out in front of you and I want them closed. And I want you to imagine that you're holding on to that trouble. You're holding on to that situation. You're holding on to that prodigal son, to that grandchild, to that sickness, to that job, to that, whatever it is, you're holding on to it. And we named it. We said, this is what we're holding on to. And then we prayed. And then I said, on the count of three, as a physical sign of a spiritual reality of you trusting God, I want you to open your hands. And so we just said one, two, three, and then opened our hands. And Once we release that situation, it's then we realize that our hands are open to receive what God has for us. Oftentimes, we can't even receive what God has for us because our hands are so tightly clenched around that situation or that season. And so I would encourage you, you know, I would encourage you listening to this. Maybe this week you can find some time in the morning, in the evening. And listen, I'm just talking 10 minutes. I'm talking five minutes of going to a quiet place and and sitting down and clenching your hands and and praying and crying out to God, asking for help, saying, God, you know, my marriage, this situation, God is crushing me. Mm. And as a physical sign, I'm I'm surrendering this over to you. And then just have a moment of pause, a moment of Selah, of stopping and then opening your hands and, and really being present to your body, present to what God is telling you in that moment, and then resting in the fact that, Lord, now this is yours. Yeah, that's good. That's good news. Well, thanks for joining us in Psalm 4. I'm going to read a little bit from Psalm chapter 56 before we close this out. But before I do that, I'm going to just give you guys a few things to fill in. Our summer service times are still uh, one service at 10 a.m., uh, and that's going all the way until, like, what, mem- Labor Day? Memorial yeah. Day. Which yeah. one is it? Labor Day. Yeah. Yep. Labor Day. That's it. That's the one in September. Uh, it goes all the way to then. One service at 10 a.m. You can catch this podcast anywhere you listen to podcasts. Send us all of your questions or your favorite album or your favorite song <laughs> and the first thing that you bought with your own money, the first album you bought at info at westsidepb.org. Org. You can worship with us online on Facebook at uh, 10 a.m. on our service time. And if you want any more information about us as a church, you can go to westsidepb.org. Any other information, anything we want to pass along? Oh, yeah, man. We got some exciting stuff coming up that you'll be hearing about, um, which is going to be really, really fun. Can't wait to share some exciting news that we have planned. Baller. So stay looking, tuned. Looking forward to it. I'm going to read from Psalm 56, and then uh, we will bounce. Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me. All day long an attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, and for many attack me proudly. Verse 3, I love this. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you, in God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. This is God's word. Amen. Thanks be to God. Thank you for listening in to the rest of the sermon. As always, may everything we say and do be all about Jesus. We love you guys. Bless Amen. Peace. Toodles.